Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels, and welcome to my podcast. It is September 13th, 2022. Uh, this is Q&A 109. So welcome, everybody. Um, I make this podcast for Team TLC, and um, this month we're talking about our new challenges for this month of September. Here it is um, just two weeks into the month and we already have 14 personal bests in just literally 12 days. So that's awesome. And um, I'm proud of all of you for that. And our mindset challenge for September is to focus on positive thinking and focus on positives. So a few of you sent me your runs and you felt you know, a couple of you were kind of more negative about it. And I try to turn it around and find the good things about it because there's always going to be something good in your run and there's always going to be something you can fix. So that's this month's challenge. And I know it's not always easy. I know life can be challenging and hurtful and sad and hard. Um, all of those things, but that's how we're, we will succeed and not give up in life and in rodeo by keeping a positive attitude. So that's why the mindset challenge this month is um, keeping it positive, positive thinking. So that's easy to do on a good day, not so easy on a bad day. So I do want you to take and look at your runs and focus on what went well, focus on your strengths, and then and then each time you're with your horse, last month's um, challenge was the 1% improvement. Then you can focus on one thing you want to do better for your next run or your next ride. Um, and that's fine. That's okay, too, because that's how we get better. You know, we're winning or we're learning, and that's how you do that. But you have to, you have to find the good in things because most nine times out of ten, you're going to beat yourself up worse than anybody else. And... Um, Life is too short to worry about a lot of stuff that people worry about, you know, especially with social internet and all the negativity out there and the clicks and the opinions and the politics. And if you ever notice, if there's a negative post that gets more comments and more likes than positive posts, and it's kind of saddening. So, you know, I have a pretty simple life. I live on my ranch. I take care of my horses and dogs. I see people for lessons. I coach my group and I do clinics. And I like it that way. That most time I spend on Facebook is to get in and get out doing my uh, videos and my coaching and, and putting posts in my groups or my my um, my business page. Um, you know, every once in a while I'll scroll the news feed and I try to just scroll as fast as I can across anything that's negative and I just try to stay on the positive stuff and um you know if a friend's asking for prayers or going through something I'll try to say something kind um but you know I just try to steer clear of the negativity and the the clicks and all of that stuff it's just not healthy for anybody so um you know if you can um just try to always try to keep that energy around you a happy place a positive place you know uh, it's just not worth it. I used to get upset younger years. Now I just let things go easier and I just move on and do my own thing. And that's just better that way. 
So, um, for me anyways. So anyhow, that's my focus. Um, last month we talked about groundwork and face flexing as our challenges. This month it's going to be getting back to basics. And this is really important. Um, September's leading into a lot of big stuff for October, November, December. This is the perfect time to look at your writer's cues and say, what do I need to work on better? Maybe it's riding two hands straighter longer to second barrel or riding more with your seat and your legs. Maybe it's more about riding square and looking between your horse's ears. Um, you know, maybe you need softer hands and using more voice and body, uh, more give and take, you know, things like that. Maybe your horse needs to work on a better woe or a lighter backup, or maybe they need to work on a prettier circles collected with speed control. Um, so this is where we're going to go back to basics. And of course, with 113 members in all different states and all different levels, everybody's going to be working at something else. You know, there's some of you just starting a colt under saddle or some of you just putting a pattern on a horse some of you are just starting exhibition some of you are running 3d 40 some of you are running 1d 2d so everybody's going to have something different they're working on and that's why i try to make the challenges kind of vague but just know that in the members only page there's videos to go along with just about anything you're looking for um, organized by topic you can also um, this week I sent out to everybody that's a member, I sent an email with the six free bonuses that you got for signing up, but this time they're updated with the new 2022 performance tracker, training notebook, um, the horsemanship challenge, the A to Z tips, the 12-week foundation program, and the one-year competition program outline. Uh, they're just outlines, and they all come in a PDF email. Um, you can just read them on your computer or you can print them and put them a three ring binder. But what I would like for you not to do is don't give away my business for free. If you like my information, please tell your friends to sign up. Don't forward it to people because this is how I make a living. Unfortunately, I've had people do things like that and it's unfortunate. But anyhow, so if you could just, um, you know, if you like it and you want to refer people, that's awesome. Um, my business has thrived for 30 years off references and word of mouth and um, and just doing what I do. I resonate with certain people, people that, you know, ride with heart, people that put the horse first, that love the horse before the competition, but also people that want to win and give 100% inside and outside the arena, but they want to do it with horsemanship, um, you know, through communication of cues and connection and uh, trust and respect with their horse because they love the horse, you know, and that's my kind of client and you know Whether you're max set at the 3d and happy 4d and happy or 1d and happy that doesn't matter to me Personal best does though if you feel confident that you're running at your personal best that makes me happy And if you're not if you don't feel like you and your horse are there yet, that's where I want to help you. So anyways, um this week uh I said our topic was going to be chapter five of the notebook, TLC's top 10 TLC drills. Um, I think what I'm going to start doing is going through the book again with everybody um, and just kind of go chapter to chapter. It'll be like, uh, you know, having the book read aloud to you because <laughs> I know how busy people are. You know, this is a, a funny thing and I'll 
uh, trying to keep my podcast to 30 minutes now because I know how busy people are. I know you can listen to it when you drive to work or when you're cleaning stalls in the barn or maybe cooking dinner or doing laundry or something. You can always listen to it with your earbuds or on speakerphone, whatever works for you. Um, but um, the thing is, is that the more... The more you put positive information into your mind, the more it keeps you on that wanting to improve and practice. But I know how busy people are. And that's why, you know, I can tell because I see how much traffic I get in Facebook in the group. When I put in a post, you know, 50 people will see it right away. When I put something in the website, there might only be five people that have seen it. So that's why I don't spend $100 a month to have a fancy website because people just don't go to them. Their lives are so busy. Um, they want instant information. And all barrel racers are on Facebook pretty much because they want to find where the next barrel race is, the results of barrel races. It's just, and they get to see videos of how arenas look. And it's just, you know, what events are coming up. It's just a really good place to just go quickly get what you need and get out you know or see how your friends are doing so um I think that's why uh the group is where I try to put everything there is a search bar at the top that you can type in your name and everything that I've ever posted for you is going to pop up under your name um so if you're looking for a video and you can't find it of course now with the coach now app you have your own library space and all your videos from when did we start that may or june uh, will be there i think june we'll start being in one space so but um prior to that for those of you that have been in the group for two years um if i've shared your video in the group just type your name at the top and it should pop up otherwise you'll have it on your facebook messenger in the past as well um anyhow so that's why i love the coach now app because it's all going to be there organized for you so we can go there and say, oh, okay, last time she was at this arena, this is what happened. This is the time she ran. And then, you know, we can compare and that kind of thing if we need to. So um, with that said, um, the positive thinking, I think positive thinking comes from other factors too. I, I was talking about how people are so busy and hard to stay focused. I'm guilty of it myself. When I wake up in the morning, you know, sometimes I'll grab my phone or turn on the TV and I don't mean to, it's just a bad habit. So I try to purposely lay in bed for five minutes in the dark and say a little prayer. Whatever's on my mind, I pray about it. And that's what I try to do before I get up and make coffee and turn on the TV and look at my phone and all of those things. Um, because starting your day with a positive attitude, with peace in your heart and a positive way of going through it, you know, thanking God for everything in your life and you know maybe things that are on your mind and that you want to have you know work on or need help with or whatever it's just a better way to start the day in my opinion um rather than already cluttering it with with the news and the facebook and emails and text messages and all of that so um anyhow so i want to say to um this this month with the challenges of getting back to basics, sometimes you're going to find yourself in a slump um, and sometimes you're going to be in a winning streak. And that's why it's really important to say to yourself, if, if you start getting in a slump, what has changed? And you need to evaluate, um, is my horse sore? You know, is it just this arena or those conditions? Did I do something different? Did I change something? 
my mindset, my warm up, my preparation, um, you know, think about anything that could have changed diet, um, anything barrier, um, anything that has changed could possibly be a reason why things change. That's why I, I stress keeping a notebook and journaling about things. So um, I think that's important too. Um, if you have one bad run, you should just let it go. Uh, like I said, find something good in it. Maybe pick one thing to improve on and then maybe tune up during that week. Um, there are some horses that need more tuning than others. Some horses are easy. They just need conditioning and some bend and flex work and they're good to go. Other horses need more time on drills or pattern and things like that. Obviously, it depends on the individual horse and the level of training and competition they're in, all of those things. So just keep that in mind as well. Um, I wanted to mention um, when you send me the videos, I'm going to always try to return them within one to two days to you, your review. But please know on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, I get at least 10 videos on those days. And I work half a day outside and I work half a day inside almost seven days a week. So um, just be patient and um, know that I will get, get to you. If for some reason in two days I have not gotten back to you with your video, there's a good chance I missed it or forgot to put it on my list. I am human. I make mistakes. It wouldn't be intentionally. So then, of course, remind me. But, um, but just know, please try to give me 24 to 48 hours to get caught up especially if it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, because so many videos come in on Sunday and then it takes me all day Monday pretty much um, to get caught up. So so just so you know that. Um, and then if I have a lesson or the farrier or I got to get hay or whatever, you know, that's going to cut into that day as well on, on top of everything else. So, so anyways, um, let's see here. We have a few questions to answer. And I also want to just say congratulations, though, because um, I did about 20 videos um, so far. Some of them had two or three videos, different people. Um, so let's see. So people, I should say. I did about 20 people and probably about 30 videos. But um, but anyways, the uh, we like I mentioned, on the personal best list, we've already up to 14 names, which is awesome. So congratulations. Um, the first question that came in said, um, when I'm loping the barrels at home, my horse is working pretty good, but when I exhibition, it's not going very well. So what should I do? Let me tell you this, first of all, with training all of my own, like seven barrel horses, and then of course, a hundred of hundreds of clients horses, I can tell you when I send my clients their videos, I never send the first lope through. And I always tell them this is the second lope through unless they want to see the first lope through. But it's generally going to be the second lope through or the third lope through that's good when you're training a horse for the pattern. And if you're, um, so let's say you're at home and you're training at home. The first, you know, let's say you do a walk through and then you do a couple trot throughs, post trot sit jog. Your horse is warmed up. Maybe you did a drill where he did big circles, small circles. You know, you feel good about where you're at. So you trot two or three patterns and he feels good. They're rating and everything. Then you decide to lope through and they just don't do it very well. That's really normal for babies because they forget where to put their feet or sometimes they cut us off because they go, oh, look, there's a barrel. I'm going to turn and they don't use their hindquarters. They just try to turn with their front end. 
So sometimes you have to go through a second time and look a little deeper, drive a little bit more with your legs or maybe talk to them or help them. Whoa, here, you know, that kind of stuff. So sometimes the second one's better. And if it is good, you may want to quit on it and reward them. But if it's not good, there's nothing wrong with doing three lope throughs on a baby when you're patterning them or you're exhibitioning them before their novice year, before their maturity year. So what I like to say is um, at home or let's say a practice arena where you're only paying $5 for unlimited riding, um, I do a walkthrough, two to three trot throughs, two to three lope throughs and end with a walkthrough. Um, because I want to end with a calm note, but I'm always going to quit on a try. So like I said, if, if the second one's good, I'm quitting. But if the if I need three, I'll take three. But let's say the third one sucked too. Then I go, okay, today is just not our day for loping. So why don't we do a lope to the barrel, trot around it, and just get our leads. Or let's just go slow it way back down and go to a trot walk or a trot jog. And um, the other thing to consider is where you're at. So let's say it's the first time they go to a covered arena. That can play a huge part in it. You have a game plan. I'm going to lope the exhibitions when I get there. But you get there and your horse is scared of everything because indoors are scarier than the jackpots you've hauled them to for exhibitions. So that day you may just ride him around. You may just walk and trot exhibitions and go home with ending on a confident note that you didn't scare them, you didn't overexpose them, you you taught them to be calm and confident. That should ultimately be your goal. You do not want to pressure them where they hate it or they're afraid. So um, so that's the biggest thing there. Um, and then let's see here. Uh, what else I want to say about that? So like I said, if they're calm, um, you know, if they're calm, it's a... If they're away from home and it's an outdoor arena that they're calm, you can do two or three lope throughs. So like I said, I'll buy four tickets. I'll do a trot walk, maybe two lopes, and then another trot walk. Or, you know, if I can walk, I will. But usually when there's a lot of people exhibition, you need to keep it going to a, like a post-trot sit jog or a post-trot walk around the barrel for your last one. But, um, but that would be that. And then I would always expect my horses to work better at home than I would away because the ground changes. There's also more um, distractions with banners and horses and noises and people. So um, so just remember, you're trying to take a, a child basically through elementary school and make them confident to go on to middle school and high school and college, etc. So just go at a speed that they're handling things, that they're not freaking out. If they do start freaking out, that just means slow down, back off. And, you know, and horses are like giant chalkboards. They're pretty forgiving and they'll usually, you know, as long as you don't overly push, you'll usually be able to get them back and do better the next time you go to that place. So just remember that. And the next question was, when I practice, it goes so good. I remember to look where I'm supposed to, use my hands and legs. But when I compete, I forget what I'm supposed to do. It's like I go out there and just forget everything. Okay, so that's mental game. And a mental game, that's a skill, you guys. It's a skill. So here's three things to think about. One, think about your horse. If you're so worried about competition that it's messing you up, then stop thinking about it as a competition. Think about your horse and how you want to build a happy, calm, confident performance horse. So think about what your horse needs from you. Think, it, think of it as a practice. Treat it like you're at home. Take some deep breaths and 
just say, okay, I'm at home, right? The same way I would at an exhibition or at home or practice. And just always remember that smooth is going to be fast. Slow is going to be smooth. So now I know in competition, it's, it's run and rim, but when you're first starting out, and also if you override a horse, it's never going to go well. So that's why they say smooth is fast, and it really is. Um, and and um, if you just even if you watch any of those um, those shows on TV, the ninja shows, the ones who really rush it end up falling in the water, falling off the jumps. But the ones who are calculated, take a breath, get their timing, and then go, are the ones that usually do the best on those um, timed events. They're not rushing it, but they're calculated. They're breathing. They're they're thinking through their position and their spots. And that's when barrel racers do their best. That's, you know, when I've had my best runs is when I was calm and focused on riding to my spots and being there for my horse in the moment. So that's just a mental game and it is a skill. And that's why I recommend visualizing. I recommend breathing. Let's say something upsets you. Let's say your your spouse or your child or your boss or your coworker or your friend or the traffic, your dog, your horse, or something upsets you. And just take some deep breaths. And when you would normally get emotional and maybe drop some bad words or do things that are not the best things to do, like throw a fit, take and calm yourself down by taking those deep breaths and counting and moving on. And that's how you will teach yourself to have control of your emotions. That's a different emotion. That's an anger emotion. But you can even do it when you're nervous or scared at work or, you know, if something startles you teach yourself to settle yourself. And um, it's just a skill, you know, it's a skill of handling your emotions. And it's an important one too. So definitely work on that. Uh, the next question, what does um, my, we're looking to buy a new horse for our daughter. And um, this is, the, the ad says, and we talked to people and they said the horse is on the muscle. What does that mean? So on the muscle can mean a lot of things, but I would have them say, you know, can you expand on that? But it would probably mean the horse is really hot to ride, maybe hot to warm up or hot, you know, approaching the alleyway. Um, it could also be a horse that's not fun to go on a trail ride because they don't know how to walk on a loose rein. Um, it may be a horse um, that's very free running and doesn't know how to do slow work or calm down. So on the muscle is like, you know, being hyper and really intense and not knowing how to relax. So to me, that's not an ideal kid horse because kids don't usually have the patience or the confidence for that. Of course, it would depend on the horse and the rider always, but that's what that means. Um, the next question is kind of a question comment. Um, <clears throat> like I mentioned earlier about being positive, some of you only see the bad in your run. Like sometimes I will get five literal literally five paragraphs from someone before I see their video and the 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 paragraphs are so scary like this happened and this happened I'm like oh my god this run must be ferocious so I'll read it all and then I play the video and the run's pretty dang nice so that's what I'm talking about when you only see the bad in your run please don't do that I know some of you are very very um one-sided in your brain you see things on a very analytical perfectionist you know very very much that's how you see things it's got to be perfect and you overthink everything but I promise you that's very stressful for you that's stressful for your horse 
So again, um, try to be positive, find that good in that run, and then find that something that you'd want to do better. Um, but we really do need to be positive to succeed. And, um, and some of some of the writers in the notebook, I even write hard on themselves so that I remember that they're already hard on themselves. So I need to make sure that I'm being positive for you, because if I'm hard on you and you're hard on you, it's just going to go downhill real, real fast. And um, and I'm not saying that I'm you know going to sugarcoat things or not tell you the truth. I am. But I'm going to tell you what I see, obviously, but I'm also going to, you know, say, hey, do you also see I see this good stuff here, too? Not just, you know, this mistake. I see this good barrel. I see this good cue. I see this really nice approach in the alleyway. Um, those kind of things. So so definitely keep those in mind um, for for things. Um so I said I would go to chapter five and talk about TLC's top 10 drills. I am going to go chapter by chapter over the next few weeks, but I just want you guys to understand that drills are drills. You know, there's, there's a book out there called 101 Exercises to Do in Arena, and it's for Western, and it's for English, and it has a lot of fun stuff in it. So you can buy that book on Amazon. Um, you can also... You know, there's a whole lot of barrel racing books out there with tons of drills in them. You know, uh, Ed Wright has his book with lots of drills. And um, Martha Josie has a book with drills. Charmaine and Molly Powell. And a lot of them have videos and DVDs. Sherry Servey out with really good drills and stuff. So, like I said, it's not about the drill, though. What I try to do in my book was say, when you have this issue, do this this drill. And um, so that's what I look at it. So I just put in my top 10. I could list 20 or 30 drills to do, but but these are the top 10 that I think can get accomplished what we need to get accomplished to get our horses with better basics and better communication with the horse and rider to have a better performance. So these are basically drills to improve competition, which obviously goes back to basics. So um, the below exercises, drills that I'm going to talk about are meant to be done at a walk first and then a trot and then finally a lope when you're ready. You only speed up as you feel confident at the current speed. Um, I suggest that you do them in a training training bit and split reins instead of your regular competition gear. So if you normally ride in a tie down for competition, I'd take it off and just go into a side pull or a snaffle and some split reins or long reins. Um, to do this work. Um, and then, of course, um, you can use barrels and poles while you're doing this and cones, whatever, because here's why. <laughs> Some people, if their horse even sees a barrel in the arena, they get on the muscle. So by working drills that require one barrel to be in the arena or one pole or one cone, it takes the horse's um, adrenaline away from the object and gets it back on you because your focus isn't just on that barrel. Your focus is on doing your drills, whether you're using the whole arena for transitions and occasionally you go around the barrel or the pole or the cone, that's fine. But a horse should be able to relax when there's a pattern set up in the arena, in my opinion. Just like I think all barrel horses should be able to go work cows or go on a trail ride. I think that we need to have them all around and solid um, I think they're just a happier, more confident, calm horse that way. So um, with that said, um, you never want to uh, look 
at a barrel or polar cone. You always want to look between their ears where you want to go and, and be centered. Um, you know, I redid my book, as I mentioned before, because obviously it's been 20, not 20 years, 12 years, 2008, was that 12 or 14 years? It's been a while since I redid it. And I wanted to read more like I talk and I do explain things I would hope better now. Um, as I'm reading this one, my new ones don't come until Wednesday. So uh, they're actually available now on Amazon. So, you know, um, but as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, this isn't read like I talk. So, so I tried to go back through it and make it read like I talk, hopefully without errors. Um, but anyhow, so, um, so most of these exercises in this chapter, if you're on a beginner horse or a beginner rider, you'll want to do most of them two hands to begin. You may want to do two hands in the straightaways, and then you can even do one hand in the around the barrels um, if the horse is ready for that. An advanced horse and rider, they can do the entire drills one-handed if they want to challenge themselves. So the first exercise is the spirals. And um, spirals is like a corkscrew. You start with a large, you go down to a medium, then a small, then back to a medium, then back to large. I would just do one of each. Um, Sometimes it's good to have two big ones while they're warming up, then one medium, one small, one medium, then back to a large, stop, go the other way, and do a couple large again when you're going the other way till they're focused. So when I'm doing this, um, this spiral for horses, I'm going to do this on a horse that's maybe strung out, that doesn't know how to slow down or collect their stride. Maybe they won't pick up their shoulder or bend their rib or give their nose laterally, or laterally, that's hard for me to say, or they possibly don't want to put their hip and pivot foot under. So I might use scissor legs. I might use inside hand um, as I'm looking at my quarter turns and use give and take pressure with my hands and legs. I'm going to sit deeper as my pockets get smaller, as my circles get smaller. Um, and then I might sit up a little bit more as my circle gets bigger. But I'm looking for things that I want to have happen. I want them to slow down and get more collected but remain fluid and I want them to be just as confident left and right so I'm going to start on their left side or their better side first so whatever lead your horse takes better or whichever you can start on that side first and again start at a walk and then if you're post trotting post trot large and medium and sit jog small um, or if it, the horse is hot, then just post trot large and sit jog medium and small. But it's good for the hot horse to calm down. It's good for the young horse to learn collection and balance. Um, it's good for a, a lazy horse to learn to be fluid as well. Um, but again, this is when I would be working on, on this um, with horses. It can also teach a horse to relax and have proper body position. Um, like I said, with the collection and all that. The second um, drill would be the pole bending. I love pole bending for my barrel horses, even if I never plan to do poles. Um, I'm going to set six poles up 21 feet apart. And um, if you have a bad habit of not looking where you're going, you might want to set some cones five feet to the side of each pole to remind you to think about your pockets. But when I'm teaching poles, I'm going to be about five feet going down the pole line. I'm going to rate at the fifth pole. I'm going to shape just like I would on the barrel at spot one and two and pivot out between spot two and three to go ahead and start my weave through. I am going to be looking for my horse to give me room going in and on the backside and snap out tight. I'm going to be looking when I do my weave through to feel a little bit more like a serpentine or an S. 
I'm going to look at my next pole's pocket, three to five feet to the side. I'm going to put weight in the stirrup of the way I want to go. So if I want to go left, I'm going to put weight in my left hip and stirrup. I'm going to use my right hand and leg to get nose to the right, shoulder going to the left. And then once my leg gets to that next pole, I'm going to shift. I'm going to look at the next pocket, put my weight in my right stirrup, and use my left hand and leg to go to the right. So again, I want the nose going one way, the shoulder going the other. I want two tracking. I want big leg laterals. Um, I can always tighten things up and make it look like an X when I go faster. But horses get stiffer and tighter the faster they go on the poles. So I want to know I've got a soft and supple horse that allows me to two track and do what I need. Um, I love poles. I love poles for horses. It teaches them leg laterals, lead departures, how to shape up to turn a barrel left and right. Um, it teaches collection. It teaches lead changes and, and um, it teaches a horse hoof placement. You know, it, it works on horse and rider's timing. It's really great for that if you want to get a horse a little bit more light, a little bit more supple, moving off your leg. It's a good thing for that. So that's something I would also do if I have a stiff horse that wants to drop a shoulder. I'm going to really work on this drill with a lot of nose and shoulder and really get them soft and supple. My third drill I love is the D pattern. Every horse I ever ever trained for barrels I did the D pattern before I ever loped the barrels so the first time I loped the barrels they understand what that when I sit down that means to rate when I go to the horn that still just means rate but when I go and turn my eyes my shoulder my hip and say here that means to go ahead and start that turn and when I go to my inside hip and use my outside leg they know that means to snap out so I teach them right from the get-go with the D pattern how rate and turn are two different cues and how a little bit of turn just means turn the barrel and how a big amount of turn means snap out tight. So um, a little bit of shoulder and hip means just to stay in a small circle. A lot of inside shoulder and hip and outside leg means to snap out tight and straight. And so that's why I love the D pattern. Um, it's great for the horse and, and do a bigger one. Do do it where you have a 10 foot circle in the beginning and then you can reduce it down to five feet around the barrel. But in the beginning, you might want to set it where you've got a, like a 60 or 80 foot big D and then maybe you're doing a 10 foot little D and then you can eventually do five feet. But um, the key is to use all the cues you'd use in a run, a go cue, a rate cue and a turn cue and a snap out cue, all the things that you would do. And what it does for a free runner, it teaches them to rate before the barrel. For a horse that anticipates, it teaches them not to turn until their hip clears the barrel. Um, for a lazy horse, it'll teach to keep fluid and keep cadence with the big and the little d. Um, by doing it one-handed, it really gets the rider to communicate with their horse with eyes, body, and leg, maybe voice as well. Easy, whoa, here, you know, smooch out, whatever. So D patterns, one of my favorite. Remember, there is videos for every single one of these in the group and also at the members only website. Um, the fourth drill is the single barrel. That one's easier than the D pattern. So if you're on a younger horse or a hotter horse, you want to keep it simple, do the single barrel. I'll make it where I'm doing like an 80 foot size round pin size circle. And then I'll go 10 feet around the barrel. The barrel is going to be on one corner, one side of the circle. So that after I'm in my 80 foot, as I'm approaching the barrel, I'm going to sit two strides before it for a rate and collection. And then I might go to the horn when my leg gets the barrel. And then I'm going to ride their hip 
all the way around a perfect 10 foot circle, maybe even 20 foot circle, depend on the horse around that barrel and then go back out to my big circle. And what I'm looking for again is collection, speed control, cadence, fluidity, proper form, nose in, shoulder up, ribs out, hip in and under, reaching with their shoulders, pushing with their hips, all of that. There's videos for that as well. Um, you can do that two hand and one hand, depending on where they are in their training. That's a great drill for a young horse to learn uh, balance. It's great for a lazy horse to learn fluidity. It's great conditioning drill for an open barrel horse. Um, it's just a really fun drill. It's one of my favorites. Uh, drill number five is the hind end quarter turns. That's really important. It teaches loose rein woe. It teaches to roll back over their hocks um, and elevate that front end. So that drill, you would do quarter turns all the way till you do a square or rectangle four times, and then you roll back the other way and do it the other direction. So if you're doing right quarter turns, then you'll do left quarter turns. So that one's great. It teaches rate. It teaches woe. It teaches using the hindquarters more. It's great for the hot horse. Um, it's a better way to teach a rollback if you have a horse that doesn't like rollbacks they get overreactive or something because then instead of doing a 180 you're only doing 90 degree turns in the beginning it's less stressful and then drill number six is all lefts and all rights <clears throat> i absolutely love this drill um for the horse that wants to cut me off in the turns that anticipates um the horse that's just thinking about the barrel instead of the rider You'll basically set up three barrels like the barrel pattern or four barrels like a square, whichever you prefer. Um, and you'll do, um, you know, start the direction they're better at, left to right. And then you will literally do a, one and a half turns around each barrel. At a walk trot, I would keep it at five feet. At a lope, I'd probably do 10 feet in the beginning and just have good form, feel the rate before the barrel and then fill the good form. You can do one hand around the barrel, two hands in the straight lines, or one hand everything if you're really advanced. Um, but start two hand, one hand if you can. Um, the only people are gonna struggle with one hand are people that maybe are a really green horse or people that a horse over flexes, you know, like bends their head and their neck too much and swings their butt. So, but you wanna get where you can do it that way. So you would want to be able to, um, you know, bring your hand back and and um, and keep, keep it on the center of the rein more and just bump your horse back more than laterally. You'll do more of a vertical collection than a lateral. So, okay, and then my next one of my favorite drills is figure eights. And you can do it two ways. You can do figure eights big and small <clears throat> with simple transitions in the middle. Or you can even add something to it I call the snap where you'll do your big figure eight and then you'll do your small. And then you'll do a big again and then come back in for the small. And then you'll try to do a couple sets of small with a snap. But, oh, don't overdo that, though, because you can make a horse really hot. And um, the whole point, though, is to basically treat it like um, left barrel and a right barrel, but just having really good form. For a young horse, sorry, I was going to take a drink and there's nothing. Okay, so for a young horse, um, rude. Uh, for a young horse, it's going to teach rate it's going to teach form um it's going to teach you know that round round shape from spot one to two and then that pivot out from spot two to three um for the open horse it may be good for the free runner to go easy in easy around 
and then you maybe let them extend a little bit coming out. <clears throat> For the lazy horse, it's going to teach fluidity. Um, if I have a hot horse, I'm not going to do the snap. I'm just going to do big figure eights and small figure eights. If I lope, I'm only going to lope the big one with simple transitions in the middle. I may not lope the small one on a hot horse. Um, just depends. But but it's such a great drill. Um, but again, I would start it at a walk trot and focus on the go cue, the rate cue, and the shaping cue and the turn working off your hips, you know, round from small one to two and tight coming out um, from your inside hip, outside leg on your pivot spot. That's a fun drill. Um, again, there are videos for everything in the group. If you look in the search box at my YouTube page and also in the members only website. Exercise number eight is straight line, double D's basically, double barrels. And you can do them with two barrels or three, but it's basically the, the D pattern um, in a straight line instead of doing a big D and a little D you're doing three D patterns or two D patterns So you're just putting barrels in a straight line and it works on Traveling in straight lines rating before the barrel and then fluid circles around the barrel So it's great to practice um, Perfect circles at different speeds and then traveling in straight lines and separating rate and turn You also stop on a loose rein whoa and roll back or back up and go the other direction. Um, you can even add side passing in there, whatever you think your horse would benefit most from. You don't want them to anticipate, so if you think they're anticipating, then you would do something different. Um, like if you thought they're gonna roll back, then you might just back and stand and relax. Or if they're a little bit nervous, you might just relax and then side pass left, side pass right, and then stand again. Um, if they're not stopping nicely, then you can always back them up a few steps. Um, otherwise, you just loose rein, whoa, roll back and go the other way. Uh, exercise number nine is the funnel barrels. Funnel barrels can be done um, different ways. This one's a tough one if you don't have a big arena, um, you know, if you don't have six barrels or six poles to set up. But um, you would set them up, maybe you'll start with, um, basically it's like figure eights, but three sets of them. <coughs> and you can do them as all lefts, all rights, or as figure eights. But you want to start them out in different rows. So let's say the first row is 60 feet apart. The second row is 80 feet apart. And then the next row is 100 feet apart or whatever space you have available. You might have to do 40, 60, 80 if you have a smaller arena. Um, my old arena, I could set up a big one. Here I have to set up a smaller one. And depending on what your horse needs, if you need to work on collection and form, I do the figure eights where you're doing rate and then shaping and then snapping out if you're working on anticipation problems i probably do all lefts all rights and you know you just mix it up from the 60 80 100 100 80 60 uh, otherwise you go 60 80 100 and then 180 60 back down if you're doing figure eight so that's a fun one and finally exercise number 10 is how to make your turns snappy so snappy turns start with the ability to have perfect fluid circles. People used to joke and call them the Spangler circles, some of the girls that came for regular lessons. But anybody who does come for lessons know that I spend a lot of time on perfect circles, every size, every speed, because basically that's what barrel racing is. It's straight lines and circles, you know, fast ones, but they're still circles. So um, perfecting them is important. Um, the goal is to have four-wheel drive. Maybe seeing a little eye or nostril to the inside with that shoulder up. So just a little bit of nose tipped in with the shoulder up and out with the rib cage soft to the outside. 
the hips in and the pivot foot's under. And those are important. So that's the beginning. To have a snappy turn, you've got to have a horse that's collected, bending in the rib cage, and their butt up underneath them. If they're not, if they're dropping their shoulder, not going to have snappy turn. If they're stiff in the ribs and strung out, not going to have snappy turns. If um, they don't know how to use their hind end and collect, they're not going to have snappy turns. So it all begins at the beginning of, of breaking in the pole, having shoulder control, rib control, hip control. So that's why it's so important. And then once, you, um, once you've got those circuits, perfect circles, then you'll go back and doing your drills like figure eight and add into that the rate and then the snapping out. And that's when I would do my drill circles and true turns. Um, you can do perfect five foot circles and then on the figure eights. And then that's with your weight being more in your outside hip and stirrup. And then when you're ready to leave to go to the next barrel, just go to your inside hip and shoulder and a little outside leg. And they should snap out three feet. And then you go do your next figure eight. Maybe you do two or three left five foot circles and then snap out three foot circle and then do three or four right five foot circles and then snap out you know, with your inside hip again. So, so those are my top 10. Um, I feel like if you have all these drills, if you could do all my drills perfect at a walk, trot, and lope, your barrel pattern's going to be awesome and consistent. But if you can't, like I have people come to the clinic and they cannot do the D pattern. Their horse can't stay inside the cones. They can't hold their lead. Um, their shoulders floating or their hips floating or they're over flexing their face, or maybe they're too stiff. Maybe they can't slow down. They just don't have good form. Those people shouldn't be loping barrels. Again, if you cannot do my top 10 drills at a walk, trot, and a lope, you have no business loping barrels. So that's important for those of you on young horses to know. Um, and then, of course, on open horses or novice horses that need tune-up, Going to drills just really helps you get a horse um, paying attention to you and gives them something new and keeps them fresh. And I think that's really important. So the book also talks about schedules, and I'm going to cover that in the weeks ahead. So it'll be fun to go through the chapters with you. But that was basically um, chapter five, my top 10 drills and why I use them. And I hope you enjoyed it. And I um, thank you for tuning in. And as always, ride with heart and God bless.